Jeff Salzman here, and welcome to The Daily Evolver. You can find all my stuff at dailyevolver.com. So we're here in these last days before the U.S. presidential election, now less than a week, thank God. And I think there are a lot of people who, like myself, who want Biden to win, or maybe more to the point, want Trump to lose are in a terrible state of anxiety. And, um, you know, the polls are good, but do we believe the polls? If you want to not get overconfident, watch some Fox and Friends, and you'll hear about the hidden Trump voter and all these different statistics and momentum. But I think it's good for Biden. And I'm happy about that. And I hope to be back here next week uh, to celebrate a clear and decisive win of Biden. In the meantime, engage your Buddhist don't know mind and watch your mind want to know, watch your mind want to clench, feel the feelings, uh, allow it to arise, manifest and pass away. And then they go have some Halloween candy. All right. I wanted to play a message I got from one of my listeners, uh, Rachel, and she sent this kind of urgent message to me yesterday or the day before, and I'll just play it for you. I would just really, really, really plead with you to see if you can't get something out this week before the election, uh, a really strong statement supporting Joe Biden. Um, if you believe that that's the right way to move, I think another four years of Trump is just going to be disaster. I think he did what he needed to do, which was to unearth the shadow and be a disruptor. But I don't think we need four more years of this, truthfully. I think it would be much more damaging than it would be healing. That's my two cents. If you agree, please get on it. Thank you so much. Lots of love to you. So, I actually, I left a voice message back to her. By the way, if you want to leave me a voice message like that, go to my site, dailyevolver.com. And on the connect tab, you'll see an orange button. It's a speak pipe thing. And you talk into it and I get it. And I can respond. And I did. And I, I responded back to her saying that I don't think I need to do that. And she wanted me to get Ken and all the people together and make an integral statement. And, you know, I'm not that kind of guy. And, you know, it's not going to matter anyway. And, you know, what sway do I have? But I woke up with a different attitude this morning. And um, so I want to say to you, Rachel, please disregard that message I left you last night and you won me over. And uh, I would like to say unequivocally, lest there be any doubt that the Daily Evolver endorses Joe Biden. And enthusiastically, actually, I, I actually have moved from merely wanting Trump to lose because, you know, I, I mean, I've talked about this many times. I, I'm friendlier than most to the culture war. And like Rachel, I do think that Trump served his purpose. And, and I do think that cultures move forward in war, is a, once there's a polarization, a thesis and antithesis, the synthesis isn't always pretty and often is violent and warlike in past stages. But at modernity, I think we have an idea in postmodernity 
of how to break down society and have a sort of creative destruction that doesn't risk the whole American democracy, as so many people are worried about. And but at any rate, we're done. We've had enough of Trump. And I did a, a, a episode last week on how one of the ways that we're moving forward as a culture in terms of individual consciousness and cultural consciousness is the acceptance of this new class of very challenging people who are have an empathy disorder, who are in the category of psychopath or sociopath. And I used the example of a New York Times column written by a self-confessed or self-professed sociopath. And I use Trump because like many of you, Trump is one of the people in our lives and he's in our lives. I really resent it, but it's true. Uh, who fits the profile and that they're actually part of the circle of compassion is to not demonize, not make him other. Um, and that's challenging. In fact, I got a I got a lot of feedback on that column, but um, one of them was that I should stop bullying Trump by calling him a psychopath, and that is sort of the problem. Uh, and I'm I'm actually happy. Let me just read a, a, another letter that I got from a listener, Peter, and he says, "Just listen to your show. Always find it very inspiring." I like to put that part in. He said, your latest show on psychopaths brought up some thoughts that I've been meaning to share with you for some time. When you and Dr. Keith, Dr. Keith Witt, the Shrink and the Pundit series that we do, when you and Dr. Keith often talk about being connected, emotionally attuned, et cetera, to other people, I often wanted to ask you how that applies in the case of dealing with a psychopath or a sociopath. I've often found that in those situations, it is better to be disconnected in order to cope. But then you stand the risk of mirroring the sociopathic behavior, that is disconnecting, and falling into that pit yourself. So you're essentially being a psychopath to the psychopath. You're considering that person an it instead of a thou, instead of a human being that is on an empathy disorder spectrum. And, and that it really does raise an interesting question of how we deal with them. And I have known probably many sociopaths and psychopaths in my life, I suppose, depending on how you want to slice and dice the gray areas. But I've known two that are uh, clear. One's Trump in terms of psychopathy, not sociopathy, but psychopathy. Uh, and the other one is a person that I did some business with. I decided to not that I didn't want to handle it. I didn't want to associate. I didn't have what it took to withstand the power, really, of a psychopath. And I played the clip last week of Trump answering the softball question on Fox and Friend about law and order and goes right to how horrible, horrible, what horrible, horrible people the Bidens are and what terrible liars. And the uh, interviewers just, they were powerless, you know. It's first of all, he's the president, but just you could just see how hard it is to be with people like that. And that was true of this person. He was either sitting on my lap, <laughs> talking into my face, or he was sort of plotting uh, some sort of medieval kind of revenge thing. So I dissociated, and that's what I want to do with Trump. That's so we're getting to the point here of this 
why I'm talking about this is that I really just wanted Trump to go away. It's too hard on my nervous system. So I think there's a lot of work that we have yet to do around uh, people who we would typically want to write off. But sometimes you want to write them off, I think. I, I, so, you know, I'm working on that, on that one too. So anyway, so we get this break from the culture war if Trump goes away. And of course, that doesn't mean that the culture war will be over by any means. And I could see what's coming from the right and from Fox and uh, the people of the Republicans, and particularly this Hunter Biden story, that that will be the Benghazi of Biden's first term if he indeed gets one. And I think it's pretty clear that Hunter and Biden's brother, Jim, I guess his name is, got Biden pulled into some compromising situations with foreign governments. I think we'll find out all we need to know about that if it, he indeed is elected. And we'll hear a lot more about Bobolinsky. You're going to hear that name a lot. At any rate, it will be the thing that the, uh, you know, Biden's enemies, and there's, there's going to be a hardcore 30% who's, who really, they probably, I guess, need to hate Biden. Just like, I always remember, how, how could you hate Obama? You know, and they hated Obama. But, you know, that will happen. And this will be the thing that will sort of be the centerpiece of that, I think. But, you know, Joe's not going to make it easy to hate him. And this is what I'm realizing and why I'm not just all in on Trump losing, which I am, but I'm all in on, I'm, I want Biden to win. Actually, of all of the people running, I now choose Biden, even over Mayor Pete, because age mainly, it's, it, and, it, and it is age in, in a sense, because there is a wisdom that arises with age, not always. If you live long, it's one of the things that is evolutionarily potent is the doubling of the human lifespan. We literally have a chance to burn karmas of one stage and move into the next and take up residency in there. And I think that's true of Biden. I don't see in the Biden uh, that is being revealed now, I don't see that guy who I always just sort of rolled my eyes at what a sort of a glad-handing Paul he was. I mean, I, I, I wanted to like him, but I never really cared one way or the other. It always seemed like he was spouting platitudes to me. And I don't feel that way anymore. I feel, you know, a lot of times platitudes can be quite profound when the transmission is coherent at a higher stage. And, and I think that's happening with Biden. He's done a series of talks in these historically significant places. And I talked about the one he did a couple of weeks ago in Gettysburg and played a segment from it. I thought it was brilliant. It really thrilled me about this vision of America, this, this positive vision of America or evolutionary vision of America that actually takes the two competing stories of America that are in the culture war right now. One is the story of gratitude and America's great and look what America's done in the world, including with race and everything and the grievance side. 
And that is look at all the fallout, look at all the dead bodies, look at all the negative consequences of America's ascendancy and power. And both of those are true. And both of those actually want to be 100% online. And I feel like uh, uh, Biden is, is transmitting that. And so here's what he said. I'm going to just quote him um, for a couple paragraphs from his talk yesterday in Warm Springs, Georgia. And of course, Georgia is a state that may go Democratic, who knows, whatever. But he used it beautifully because Warm Springs is the place where Franklin Roosevelt, uh, that was his summer White House. And that's where he died, actually. And here's what Biden said. He said, I'm running as a proud Democrat, but I will govern as an American president. I'll work with Democrats and Republicans. I'll work as hard for those who don't support me as for those who do. That's the job of a president, a duty to care for everyone. And he goes on with the Warm Springs references. He says, Warm Springs is a good place to talk about hope and healing. Franklin Roosevelt came for the therapeutic waters that he used to rebuild himself. Stricken by the polio virus in 1921, FDR suffered from paralysis. Like many other Americans in those pre-vaccine decades, FDR longed to live an independent life, a life that wasn't defined by his illness. To him and to so many others facing physical challenges, Warm Springs offered therapy for the body, but it offered something else as well. FDR came looking for a cure, but it was the lessons he learned here that he used to lift a nation. Humility, empathy, courage, optimism. This place represented a way forward. In the years that followed, FDR would come back to Warm Springs often to think about how to heal the nation and the world. And that's exactly what he did. He lifted us out of a Great Depression, defeated tyranny, and saved democracy. Then it was here on April 12, 1945, that President Roosevelt died, a casualty of war as surely as any who fell in combat, and the free world mourned. And in one last paragraph, in his last hours, President Roosevelt was at work on a speech to be delivered the next day. In it, he was to say, and this is FDR, today we must cultivate the science of human relationships. I love that. Today we must cultivate the science of human relationships. This is when the world lay in ruins. The ability of all people of all kinds to live together and work together in the same world at peace. And I love that. And I love that historical reference. And more and more, I'm loving Roosevelt. I mean, I, I think I've talked about this being my summer of World War II. It's actually getting into the fall. And all the documentaries and books I've read. And FDR was something. And he was very much in the vanguard of green and even integral. I mean, he was very anti-colonial. He was uh, very much into uh, a, a more egalitarian economy and so forth and made tremendous um, uh, gains in those areas. And so he's another one that I wanna look at. All right, 
And then um, I'm going to play a clip to end here that uh, uh, will cement my endorsement for Joe Biden. This is from a, uh, a YouTube that was released a few days ago, I assume, uh, by the Biden people and by uh, the Black Eyed Peas. And it's a reworking of their wonderful song, Where Is the Love, which we used to play at integral events and dance, and I love that song. And this is a new, you know, beautiful version of it with Jennifer Hudson singing. And it works with Joe Biden, a speech from Joe Biden uh, intermixed in. So I'm going to play the part where Joe talks. But I encourage you to go to YouTube and check it out. Where is the love? Uh, Black Eyed Peas. We can choose a path of becoming angrier, less hopeful, more divided. A path of shadow and suspicion, or or we can choose a different path and together take this chance to heal, to reform, to unite. A path of hope and light. This is a life-changing election. This will determine what America is going to look like for a long, long time. Yes, it is. Character is on the ballot. Compassion is on the ballot. Decency, science. Democracy. They're all on the ballot. Who we are as a nation, what we stand for, and most importantly, who we want to be. That's all on the ballot. And the choice could not be more clear. All right. Well, that's why we love Joe today. And get out and vote for him. Uh, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, folks.